0: Well, friends, if you want to pull out your Bibles out of John 17 and keep them open, uh, if you want to take any notes, it'd be a great time now to pull out something you can take notes on to think through what God is showing us about the relationship between Him and His Son and Him and us. But why don't I pray now? Lord God, as we come to Your Word together now, please, by Your Spirit, show us the depths of Your relationship with us, show us Your love for Your people, and the reason that we are here as we open up Your Scriptures. Please focus our minds on what you have to say, we ask in your son's name. Amen. Well, I don't know what your relationship with your father is like, um, but one of the great things for me growing up was getting to know my dad, was growing in my relationship with my dad. One of the things I loved um, was, was hanging out with my dad. We did lots of things together, we, we, we built things together, we pulled things apart, uh, we had a great relationship of knowing one another. And it's a relationship that I cherish even to this day. But as we come along to this part of the scriptures in John 17, in Jesus' last hours before he goes to his death, in fact, last hour probably, we we get to see the relationship with his father. We get an intimate look into the way he speaks to his dad. And what are the, the concerns and passions and priorities on Jesus' mind as he prays in one of the most intimate prayers that there is of Jesus to his father? In John 17, we get to see what is important to Jesus. And what we see is that he, he prays for Himself. But it's not quite as you might think. You see, Jesus, as He prays for Himself, only has one request. He asks that He might be glorified. Look with me. At John 17, verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son so that the Son may glorify You. Now, did you notice why Jesus wants to be glorified here? It's not so that he could be built up as, look at me, I'm amazing, I'm the best, it's all about me. No, no, no. Glorify me so I may glorify you is what he says. He's really saying, Father, go ahead with the plan that we had from since the beginning of creation. Let me empty myself. Let me go to the cross and die so that the world may see how great you are and what you have done that your people might be brought to you. Jesus is all about His Father and His Father's glory. That's what He prays for as He, as he dies on the cross. It's not you and I that are for, for first and foremost on His mind, but rather His Father and His Father's glory and the plan they had from the beginning of all creation. I so often think that God has come, that Jesus came to help me. But we keep seeing that while He has come to help us, that's not first and foremost what He's about. He is about the glory of the Father. But that doesn't mean that He isn't for our good. See, God's glory and our good are flip sides of the same coin. It's good and proper and right uh, that we should glorify the Creator of the universe and honor and praise Him because He is God. But living rightly toward God and glorifying Him that's actually for our good too because that's the way we ought to live. It's for the, the good of our, us as, as people. So as Jesus dies on the cross as he's about to carry mankind to the Father, taking the penalty that you and I deserve, he does it so that God the Father will look as he is, good and glorious. That's what he's about. That's what is happening in the world right now. God's plans and purposes are coming to fruition so the world will see how good he is. Jesus says, glorify me, Father, so I may glorify you. I guess you could say that Jesus' glory is similar to that of a mother about to give birth. We saw that illustration last week. The end result is what the mother longs for, the child being born, coming into the world. However, She's got to go through an immense amount of pain and suffering and loss, and loss to her own dignity, so that this new life may be born. Well, here, Jesus is praying to His Father that He would be glorified. In other words, take me to my death. Let me take the penalty and pain and suffering that the whole world deserves on my shoulders for those who trust in me so that they can be declared right, so the world will see, so that everyone in the universe, the powers, the principalities will see that you are God and that you are great and that you ought to be glorified. That's what Jesus is saying. So that life may be brought to the world and so that God's glory might be seen. Jesus is so focused on his father's plans and purposes that at this hour, the hour of his death, when he could ask for anything in the whole world as he comes to his dad in this unique relationship, this is what he asks for. He asks for his father to be glorified and his plans and purposes to come to fruition. As I hear Jesus' prayer, it just goes to show how man-centered I am. As I reflect on the prayers that I offer to God, that I say to God, uh, they're often good prayers, biblical prayers about God shaping me to be more like Jesus or, or um, helping me to repent from my sin or helping the certain situations that I'm in to go well, to, to, for my comfort, for all sorts of things, for the healing and for those who are sick around us. We all bring these sort of prayers to God to help, Lord, please help me, help change me, help do this for me. But Jesus' prayer is all about Him, Him, Him. Your purpose, Lord. Your purpose, Father. Your will. Your people. Jesus' attitude to life is to live for one purpose. For God's glory. That's that's why He exists. That's actually why we exist too. I want to ask you this week, how have you gone at living for God's glory? We don't necessarily have the same interactions we've had with those around us. Now we're in lockdown. But how have you gone with your household, with, your, with the family that you're living with? How have you gone at seeing God's big picture and letting that shape the smaller details and your anxieties and cares and concerns? How have you gone at recognizing God's plan at living for His glory? Have you seen the, the relief, the, the joy of recognizing that life is not about us? It is a joy, you know. when we, we recognize that it doesn't depend on how good I am, on how great I achieve or, or, or what I do, but it's about God's glory and pointing to Him. Oh, it's a great relief from my shoulders to say, well, I want the world around to know about Him. It makes life so much easier to live not trying to make ourselves look good, but by pointing to the goodness and the greatness and the magnificence of God, who is Father, Son, and Spirit. God the Son when he has every reason to say, look at me, do you know who I am? Do you know what I can control? He says, look at the Father. Let me be emptied of myself. Let me obey my Father. It's about him and his plans and purposes. Jesus' plans and purposes in his life was singlefold, to glorify God. But his plans and purposes to glorify God overflow to our point number two today, that he loves his disciples. Jesus prays for his disciples. Come with me at verse 6 of chapter 17. Jesus says, I've revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Jesus is praying to his father and saying, I've done what you've asked of me, Dad. I've done what you've asked of, of your people, I've revealed you to them. I've shown them you. And that really is what Jesus came to do, to reveal the Father to us. And here he's speaking specifically of his disciples. Look at verse 7. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, because I've given them the words you gave me. They've received them and have known for certain that I came from you. They've believed that you sent me. That is the core of Christianity, isn't it? Recognizing that Jesus is God's son and sent from him and that his words are true just as God is true. And so Jesus is saying here to his father, your people are ready, dad. They know I am the Christ, the promised savior of the world and that you have sent me. Jesus has done his father's will. He's prepared his father's chosen people. He's given them his father's words and now the hour has come to leave them in his father's hands. But what he leaves them to do is no walk in the park. So he prays that the disciples might be protected, that they might be protected. Look at verse 11. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so they might be one as we are one. Here, Jesus longs that His Father's will will be done, so He asks His Father to protect the disciples, those that Jesus would send out to proclaim the gospel into the world. He knows the hardship they're about to face. He's just finished telling them that the world around them will hate them. And so what does He do? He prays that the Father who is in control of all things would protect them. Have you ever had that moment where you've been scared. As a kid, I can remember moments that I did dumb things and and was in a situation. One time I yelled out something stupid to some person who was off in the distance. And I was like, why did I do that? And I was kind of freaked out. And this guy looked at me and he was going to come toward me. But then I, I looked at my dad who was next to me and was six foot four standing there. And I'm like, it's all right. My dad's with me. You see, our God is in control. And God the Son leaves the disciples in the Father's sovereign hands. He entrusts them to his Father after he had taught them who he was and after he revealed the Father to them. So he prays to his dad, let the disciples be one, just as we are one. He wants them to remain united as as one, like the Father, Son, and Spirit are one. So when the world hates them, when when the pressure is on from the world around, that they might be one with the same unity that the Father shares with the Son, the same plan and purpose and, and direction so easy for us as fallible human beings to be in disunity, to misunderstand one another, to misinterpret one another. And I'm sure this past week, if not the weeks to come, will be a very clear example of the frustrations we find in the little bubbles that our prime ministers helped us to stay in. I don't know if you've started to feel the temperature in your household warm up as people start saying dumb things, um, feeling dumb things, doing dumb things. Uh, y- you get married couples who love one another, ready to rip one another's heads off. I mean, just in our family this week, we've had these discussions, Sarah and I, around parenting styles, around how much screen time our kids should have, about how we spend our money, about what we do to relax, about how we encourage our kids to read the Bible, about what we should eat, about how much exercise we should do, and about the way we bring up these issues with one another. And that was just yesterday. I don't know what it's been like for you. But so often we are divided just in our humanity. And Jesus, as He looks at one another, at these disciples, He recognizes that it's very likely in their humanity that they will not be united. So you can understand why He prays to His Father that they be united. That is a miracle. That they would be together in the same purpose. That they would not kind of factor off and splinter off and have differing views around who Jesus is and what He has done. He wants them to be united so that the gospel, the word Jesus gave them to proclaim, Jesus' life, death, resurrection and ascension, will be clearly proclaimed into the world around and not destroyed. And so what does he do? He doesn't tattoo it to their arms or give them some holy book transcribed by him himself. He depends on the Father in prayer to keep the band together, to not break up, to not have an oasis moment. If you don't know what that is, I'm... Sorry, check out Oasis. It's sad, but true. (laughs) That they would be one in purpose, one in love, one in submission to the Father. Why? So that the message might be proclaimed into our world of who Jesus is and what he's done. This is what he asks his dad. And he's preparing to leave the world that they might stay united in the truth of the gospel. And that's why Jesus then goes on to pray that the Father will sanctify the disciples he would sanctify the disciples. Have a look at verse 17. He says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Now, you hear that prayer of Jesus and you're like, What's all this sanctification about? It's not really a word that you use. I didn't go out into the, the street today in my kind of. short amount of exit time into the world around me and be like, oh, let's sanctify that tree or let's sanctify that person. It's just odd kind of religious jargony words. But where we do hear that word is a sanctuary. You might have a wildlife sanctuary. That's an area that is set aside, set apart for wildlife. It's an area that's to be protected for that particular purpose. What Jesus is praying is that He's asking His Father to set aside the disciples for a a particular purpose. What is that purpose? Well, verse 18 shows us clearly that He would send the disciples into the world. That they would be His mouthpiece. That's what He's praying. That the disciples would speak the truth of the gospel into the world around. And as He revealed God to the disciples, so they are to reveal God to the world. But did you notice how they would be sanctified in verse 17? It's by God's truth by his word. Jesus knows that it's God's truth, his message of salvation that would set apart the disciples as they would proclaim that word. That was the core of what it was to be united was around the gospel, around that word. It was hearing God's word that was to be the core of what they were to be doing and what set them apart. Just like for us, it's hearing God's word that changes who we are, because it changes whose we are. It changes who we belong to. We recognize that God is God and we are his creation, that we are not our own, that we belong to him. And then we recognize what Jesus has done. And that unites us today as it united the disciples, as they proclaimed the gospel and it changed how they lived. So as Jesus enters his final hour, we get to see what's on his mind, what concerns him. And that really is a moment for us to stop and think, if this is what concerns Jesus, ought it be what concerns us? How is God's glory and the unity of those who He's called us together with and and the obedience of His followers to that gospel message the core of you and your life? See, we need to see how seriously Jesus takes the pressures of the world. He's so serious that he, he spends these last free moments in prayer to his father, praying for the disciples about the pressures of the world that they're about to enter into or, or to remain in as he leaves. He knows the temptation to be persuaded by the evil one, persuaded away from following Jesus and to go back to trusting themselves. The temptation to let division come in and frustrate God's purposes. And these, these are the disciples. Right? They're the ones who'd, who'd been personally taught and trained by God himself. If anyone's going to be strong and remember Jesus' words and teachings and stick to them, surely it'd be the disciples, right? But Jesus takes the pressure of the world so seriously. The temptation of the evil one that he spends these precious last moments praying that they may be protected. That these disciples may be set apart, one in God's purpose, established in the truth. How seriously do you take the pressures of this world? How seriously do you Take Jesus' word at this point. How seriously do you take our need to be grounded in His word and to pray we'd be captivated and growing in our love and knowledge of Him? Jesus takes it so seriously, He spends His final hours praying to His Father in the hearing of the disciples that that would be what would happen. But He doesn't just pray for the disciples. There's this great moment in John 17 here where Jesus prays for you and for me. Seriously, look with me. Uh, John 17, verse 20. Jesus prays for his followers. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. Jesus is talking about you and me right here. Those who would believe in the word the disciples would proclaim to the world around us. Jesus prayed for you. How awesome is that? He prayed to the Father for you and for me that He cared enough for you and for me as He was thinking about glorifying His Father. Part of that plan of glorifying His Father was to pray for us. But what did He pray for us? Did you notice that? He prays, just like He prayed for His disciples, that we might all be one, that we might be united, just as the Father and Son are united. And that's not some idea where everyone wears the same clothes like Andrew and I did last week. And we kind of do those funny things. We all say the same things. We've got the same jargon words. It's not that sort of unity. It's not even the unity of um, kind of people having the same just likes in, work, in, the, in life. It's a unity that is around the gospel, around the message that the disciples proclaimed. He prays so that that unity might be there that the Father and the Son have unity in purpose and in glorifying the Father and that God might be glorified. Jesus wants you and me and our church to glorify God by being united in the truth of what it is we believe. That's why the Word of God is so important. That's why we must keep sitting under the Word of God and and letting it shape and mold the way we live. And I know many of you know that, but do we live it? Jesus says in the second half of verse 21, May they also be in us, so the world may believe you sent me. It's part of our role and our unity of purpose of glorifying God as a church and as individuals to show the world around us how great Jesus is and to introduce the world to the Father through the Son. We need to be united in that purpose, the same purpose that Jesus had, pointing the world to his Father, the same purpose that the Spirit has in working in us and proclaiming us, sorry, uh, propelling us out into the world to proclaim that gospel. Friends, if, if we call ourselves Christians, if we count ourselves to be followers of Jesus, it must be the truth of the gospel that unites us. The truth that sets us apart, that makes us not a sanctuary where no one else comes into, but a, a, a something that's set aside to say, man, those people live for someone different, something different. And people see that we live for God, to glorify Him, to tell the world that Jesus has come and died for us and risen again. If you're a follower of Jesus, we need to be immersed in that truth. Because as a church, that's what unites us. It's the message of the gospel. You know, that's why we're called Auckland Evangelical Church. That word evangelical is just an English version of a Greek word called euangelion. Now, I, I hate saying Greek words. Sometimes people just go, oh, it's a Greek word. You know Greek. Ra ra ra," <laughs> But... Uh, The reason that I want to point to it here is because this word evangelical or euangelion means good news, gospel. For us as a church, we are Auckland EV, Auckland Evangelical Church. We're a group of people, a gathering, a church that has gathered around the news of Jesus' life, death, resurrection and ascension that he gave to the apostles, that they united together around and proclaimed to the world that you and I can believe in today that we get to proclaim to the world around us. Do you see the, the cascading history of what God is doing? I and mean, How great it is to be part of that, to be part of a church that holds to the gospel. Well, here's the other amazing thing. Not only does Jesus pray for us, that we'll be united in this gospel truth, that we would hold fast to what the word of God says, but he also wants us to be with him forever. To be with him. He wants you and me to be with him look at verse 24 Father I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory which you've given me because you love me before the world's foundation Jesus wants you and me to see his full glory as it was before he stepped into the world before before the beginning of time He longs for us to rule alongside him that that was the plan from all of history as co-heirs with Christ in perfect relationship with His Father. That's what Jesus longs for. That's what He wants. I hope it's what you want as well. Now, He has us here at this time for the purpose of proclaiming His name and living in relationship with the Father in this now but not yet tension, where we now have relationship with God, but we we do not yet fully have what we're promised. And He longs for that. But He longs for more and more people to come to know Him too. And so that is why we're here. That is why He has us here at this moment. To be proclaiming this truth. Friends, if you haven't yet come to trust in Jesus and accept his offer, his death in your place, I want to say to you today come to Jesus. Know the Father. Come into this relationship where we get to be part of the the Trinity, the Godhead. We get to be part of this relationship because of Jesus. And you get to know your Creator and live according to his way, which is the best way to live ever. Why would you not come? If you don't trust in Jesus, let me encourage you today. Take a moment to read through John's gospel in its entirety. Come to him. Put your trust in him and spend an eternity with him and know him as your dad now. But if you are a follower of Jesus, then Jesus is saying that you are his now and the father will keep you because that's what Jesus prays. So be who you are. Trust God that he will hold you in him Trust God that you are part of His family and put on His family likeness, holding to the unity of the truth of the gospel, the life, death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus. That He is the only way that we can be saved and pointing people to Him. Be encouraged to live for Him and for for the Father's glory. That you exist to point to the Father, to show how great He is to the world around us. Friends, it is such a joy to know the Father as our dad. To know that, Jesus has brought us into relationship with Him for those who trust Him. And the Father will hold us to the end as Jesus prays. So won't you join with me as we live for God's purposes and plans. And be encouraged. For our Father is waiting for us to return home. Jesus is waiting for us to return home when He comes back. And He puts all things as they will be. So in the meantime, let's hold to this gospel truth. Let's immerse ourselves in the Word of God. And let's proclaim Jesus to the world around us, asking the Spirit to work through us with boldness and to speak His word and love to the world around. Let's pray together. Father God, we admit that we don't have life together ourselves. That we so often get our eyes focused on things of this world uh, and we stray from the, the truth of the gospel, the unity of who Jesus is and what He has done. We pray that today you might put Jesus front and center in our minds and lives again and remind us of the importance even now as we're scattered in our homes and as we we relate to people online and as we we, we think about what we're here for, that you would put Jesus at the front and center and the great joy we have of pointing people to Him. Help us to be united as a church around your word. Help us to sit under your word. Help us to encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching of Jesus' return. And thank you so much for the relationship we have, being united to Christ by faith and being part of that Godhead you've invited us into. Lord, it is such a joy to be able to call you our dad and the new creation, our home, and Jesus, our brother. We pray this in his great name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon recording from Auckland EV. We hope you found it helpful. And if you'd like to find out more about Jesus or about church, we'd love to get in touch. So check out our website at aucklandev.co.nz for more details. Thanks for listening.